idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. Oh my gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. Sorry. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. What? Studio C? C, senor. A dimly lit room? Not dim enough. Can you make it dimmer, Sean? Can you make it dimmer in here? I need it dimmer. I like to see everybody. And and we're dim. Yeah. I don't want to be able to see everybody. Okay, good. Um, uh, and today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Everything else. Everything, Everything else. that's not nonstop, one-sided droning about impeachment. The world is still spinning. A lot happening. I think that whole Middle East peace plan is a heck of an interesting story. Yeah, I guess. You don't think so? Well, it is kind of. I heard a, uh, spa- a Palestinian spokesperson who uh, uh, could barely keep from spitting and attacking the interviewer. They hate it so much. So... Well, I'll tell you, Well, that that's not the important thing. Okay. This is a major deal, this Middle East peace plan. Here's the big change, and I'll read the quotes from all the people uh, when we get into it later. But this is the big change in the analysis. All the Arab countries are on board. All the Arab countries that in the past have said, no, you're screwing the Palestinians' death to Israel, Mm. are all saying, we're on the side with Israel because of the current situation with Iran. Mm. So everybody's on the side and says, yeah, this is a good deal, and you're never going to get a better deal, and boy, if you don't take it. And so the word from the Arab countries that have always supported the Palestinians in their battle against Israel, the word from all the Arab countries, and they were tweeting yesterday and speaking out loud, is, look, this is your last chance. Either take it or shut up, because we don't care anymore. Interesting. Yeah, I'll and grant that is you. some serious pressure on them to either give up on the idea completely. Or come around and decide, this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah, well, I would guess it's going to uh, fall apart in a mess, as usual. Just because, well, we'll get into it later. I agree that's different, but I think it will just fall apart as usual. So with impeachment, you got uh, two days of questions, eight hours each day, 16 hours. You're only allowed five minutes for the answer. Mm Mm-hmm. So I assume that's you, plenty. If you assume the question's a minute, that's six minutes per question and answer. You get in ten an hour, eighty a day, a hundred and sixty questions. Well, is it going to be like I don't and know? And answers that seems like an awful lot. Do they even have that many? Does old man Roberts got to read all of them, or just does he pick his faves? How does that work? Do you do it like we do with mailbag in the text line? Sure, you yeah. Just go, go through, through them. Grab yeah. the ones that are entertaining. I hate you, and I wish you would die. Skip that one. <laughs> you know, long, droning explanation of some, you know, big horn sheep conservation effort in Montana. Not so much. Skip that one. Are there even 160 questions to ask? Dear Justice Roberts, is that robe hot? Because you have to wear it all the time. Signed, Senator Jones. I don't <laughs> See, I don't know. I don't know how it works. <laughs> Hilarious, but we do have the latest on impeachment, and uh, God dang it, the, the, the trying to follow the, uh, the 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 cable news and the leaks and all that sort of stuff is looking more like uh, we're going to get witnesses is growing and growing and growing, and then like the middle of the day, it started going the other direction. It seems to be cooling. It's looking less like there are going to be witnesses. 
What about the Bolton revelations? <laughs> so Do you mean you... the New York Times third-hand story about an alleged book manuscript? Here's the one thing I haven't said about this, and I'm surprised I haven't said it, because I've thought it, and I say this every time there's anything in a book. Mm. I always say this, whether it's sports stars or celebrities or these politicians. If it's such a big deal... If it's such an earth-shattering deal, you either should have said some at the time you're in office or come to a microphone today. If you do it only when the book comes out and you're making a profit from it, sorry, I ain't got no time for you. And I've said that about all kinds of different political stripes. If it was such a big deal, if it was such a, an abuse of power... It threatens that, the very Constitution. That you're willing to toss a president over? You need to run to a microphone today and tell us. If you're such a patriot that you're going to save this nation... No, 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 I'm, I'm, it's going to be in my book, which is out in March. Right, in six months what or whatever. What the hell is that? Yeah, Comey did that, McCabe did that, lots of politicians do that. Yeah. Oh, I was just so outlandish at the time. Well, then you should have resigned two years ago when this happened. If you were so bothered by the way the president was handling foreign policy or told the press then with your name on it. But you didn't, did you? Only when you got a book. So whatever. You lose all credibility to me when you do that. Yeah. Don't you have yeah. zero credibility? If When's the last time anybody came out to a microphone and and said something when they weren't going to profit from it? Oddly enough, it was Comey's hilariously entertaining and wildly inappropriate Here Are Hillary's Sins press conference. Amazing. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I, and, and I tell you what, having scanned the, the airwaves all morning and yesterday and the rest of it, you hear that X percentage of Americans are in favor of calling witnesses and uh, 70% of independents, the rest of it. How could it be otherwise? The media coverage of this is monochromatic. It is one point of view on every channel, wildly biased. And and Fox isn't even going wall-to-wall with it, Fox News, like all the other channels are. They're, they're reporting on everything. I'm talking about their news coverage, not their opinion coverage. So even, you know, a conservative who thinks, well, I better go to Fox and see what's going on with this, you're not going to get, you know, a quarter of what you're getting on the other channels. So, yeah, of course opinions are flowing one way. They're wrong, but, you know, they're flowing in that way. Oh, we got plenty to talk about. That's uh, not Yeah, really yeah. You, you brought it up, unless I did. I don't remember. <laughs> I saw a good argument for um, hero worship around uh, sports figures and stuff like that. Interesting. From a columnist that I'll read from. I think it's pretty interesting on the whole Kobe Bryant thing. May have changed my mind on this. And I don't change my mind a lot at this point in my life. Ah, stubborn as a mule. How often do you change your mind on anything at this point in your life? Oh, you know, I flip-flop a fair amount. Really? Well, then you're just indecisive. Okay. Well, thank you for that <laughs> that harsh yet uh, helpful criticism. Uh, let's introduce everybody in the squad. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, pretty good. I'm about 48 hours away from fasting, and the reason I'll be fasting is because I'm getting myself ready to make my Super Bowl cheese dip that I make every year. Oh, oh, oh yeah. And it is a meal. It is delicious. Yeah. And I will put the recipe online for everyone so they can uh, serve it at parties, and it's always been a big hit, actually. I'm going to eat it. But I'm a little worried about it because I'll be breaking the seal on a diet that I've kept longer than any I've ever had. Because I like to bring it in when it's hot. I make yeah, it. Yeah, and I like to eat it when it's hot. Yeah. And you know how it is with that. It shouldn't work this way, but it does work this way with a lot of things. Exercising, dieting, drinking, whatever. You think I'll do it once and then I'll go back. No, it's not the way it usually works. Yeah. <laughs> Once you're off, you're off. You're, you're off. Saying? You're off. That's usually you've the way lost it your stride. Yeah, it's just one day, Jack. I know. That's what I'm. Ah. 
I've fallen for that many times. You know what, Jack, would be a nice strategy is instead of using uh, Fritos to scoop it up, use celery. You want me to bring celery in? Just yeah. eat a little bit to Celery taste. and carrots and kale. Just eat a little bit to taste, chew it, and then quietly spit it into the pocket of your shirt. <laughs> God, that's gross. <laughs> Anyway, These I have little tips for I the Super Bowl party. I won't make too big of a batch. I'll have a just you know enough so that we can enjoy. Hey, it hey, hey! Week. Settle down in there. Don't worry about a Captain <laughs> Cuckoo over there. You just make as much as you want, Michael. Oh, I love that hot dip. Uh, there's positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. Two days removed from uh, devouring an entire box of cereal in a single day. I managed to go through yesterday without a single bowl of cereal, so that's progress. <laughs> Averaged out, I'm, I'm I'm already down to half a box a day, which that's sounds right. much less degenerate. Uh, so I will keep you guys posted on how that goes going forward. I don't know if I need to do like your uh, dry January thing in February with cereal for me or something. I don't know. Uh, but you know, and, and then you know, low, low carb Feb or something. I don't know. I'll work on the branding. But. Yeah, but taking in that much whole wheat, man, you're gonna be as regular as the sunrise. I mean, yeah. Good for you. Yeah, sure. Or something. Go right through you. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Wednesday, January 29th. We're running out of January, people. The year 2020, where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. We're not calling any witnesses, and you can't make us. And we begin officially now, according to FCC rules at Mark. Ghastly, grim, and ancient raven, wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven nevermore ah, talking ravens and stuff <laughs> we got talking ravens up in her and why why did i just hear that sean uh the the raven uh poem by edgar allan poe was first published on this date in the year of our lord 1845 i see okay that's great i love the raven love it love it love it i actually have a list here of uh the most loved and hated classic novels Really? Um, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll run through that later. Hmm. At least the top five or something like that. We'll see if any Edgar Allan Poe makes the list. Either hated or loved. Yeah. And now, it could be I just lack the uh, cerebral wattage to get some great literature, but I often find myself wondering, who decided this was great? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> some of it is is self-evidently fantastic. But I, I suppose maybe it is like structurally, or it was a breakthrough, it's a... First time we ever had a character uh, thinking out loud. Who who cares now, though? And if you're going to read, like, ten things in your school career, why does it have to be The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne, which is the number one most hated book? Oh, my God. Couldn't I have skipped that and read something else? Dry as a box of saltines in the Sahara. Holy cow. I tried hard. For instance, on uh, beloved novels, The Godfather by Mario Puzo. (laughs) Is that, I thought that I've read that. That's a really great book. I would yeah. have enjoyed that more in high school than reading The Scarlet Letter. Well, By I'm a lot. A, I'm a big fan. And probably learned more. I'm a big fan and employed this in my own household, raising my three children's, uh, of uh, find books that they will absolutely love and are you know, great or very good. Because then you instill a love of reading and an enthusiasm no, for it. No, make them read dry things that written in 1740. Took me like 15 years to figure out, oh, there's stuff out there that I'd like to read. 
Yeah. As I was punished reading things that were horrifying yeah. all through my school years. Yeah. How does mailbag look? Oh, it's very nice. Includes a list of drink specials across the street from the Trump rally in New Jersey the Fantastic. other night. Very amusing. Awesome. We like that sort of stuff. Oh, Our text yeah. line is 415-295-KFTC. Shaquille O'Neal cheerfully announced a life change that he's going to make yesterday, and it's probably not a bad idea for all of us, the life change he's going to go with in the wake of Kobe Bryant's death. So, Wow. Okay. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Probably a pretty good idea. I wasn't sure how they stood after all their conflicts and well, that's, that's harassment. That uh, features into the life change. Interesting. Okay. Mailbag. <laughs> About holding grudges. Ah. And thinking you got the rest of your life to work these, you know, all of time to work these things out. Oh, boy. That's a good one. Yeah. Our freedom-loving quote of the day comes to us from Robert G. Ingersoll, who was a thinker and writer during the golden age of uh, open thinking in the 1800s. Uh, I'm not familiar with that the golden, golden age, age of open thinking or, or enlightened thinking or I can't remember they called it something for about a cup of coffee it was probably Times Person of the Year or something I don't <laughs> I don't know but anyway Ingersoll uh, said this is my doctrine give every other human being every right you claim for yourself hmm. no that's not free speech that's hate speech. Oh, man, I have a great example of one of those idiotic, ridiculous, yet terrifying uh, academic papers I came across the other day. Boy, you're not going to believe it. Anyway, moving along. Uh, Jack, you can't do this. This is not right, uh, writes uh, Vaughn. And he includes a link to footage of a man trying to smash his way in uh, with a hammer to the case that holds the Magna Carta in England. Guy tried to steal the 800-year-old basis of, of f- f- human rights and, and representative government. He did not get away with it. That was not Jack. No. It, well, I don't think it was you. We were talking the other day about how Glenn Beck has an actual copy of the Constitution. Yes. Like from back in the day. Yeah. And I was thinking I wanted the Magna Carta. Yeah. But no, I did not attempt to steal it. No. No, you can't have it. Uh, for some reason, uh, Nate writes, uh, I, too, used to abuse alcohol, but to be fair, it abused me, too. Yeah, so we were even. I was cowardly. I suppose I was a beer-battered chicken. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nate, you proud of yourself? Wow. Uh, speaking of imbibing, these are the drink specials at the Bolero Resort in Wildwood, New Jersey, not far from the Trump rally the other night. On uh, beautiful South Jersey. I love South Jersey. I spent many, many pleasant uh, days, weeks, and months there um, uh, in my youth. Anyway, uh, they featured the Matt. With Snooky and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They called me Joe the, what was Mike the situation? Joe the experience. I didn't even own a shirt. I was ripped. Went everywhere shirtless. Church, doctor, everywhere. Uh, they had the Magarita, of course. The Subpoena Colada. Impeach. The Margarita, I get it. The subpoena colada, the impeachment punch, the Moscow Mueller, <laughs> the Russian collusion, which is uh, absolute and Kahlua, and the Sanders. You buy the drink and we give it to someone who doesn't have one. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It is. 
Box of mini wheats, writes Mike in Montana. You're going up against a Montana in here, Sean, so be okay. careful. A box of mini wheats in one day is nothing. During college, a series of poor choices led me to put down a whole carton of Oreos in a setting. The next movement, sooner rather than later, left me trying to decide whether to call a doctor or a priest and resulted in a fair amount of introspection. <laughs> Uh, P.S. Love the show. Recommended to everyone I know. Thank you, Mike. Your crew does the impossible, making show that is informative, entertaining, philosophical, logical, and comfortable all at once. Well, I, I admire that feat, and I do thank you for sharing. <clears throat> this is something that I need to remind myself in many aspects of my life. Hmm. I am no longer in my 20s. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, amen to that, brother. Yeah, it's funny. When uh, little D, my daughter, and her boyfriend were at the house for a week watching them eat. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was just stupendous. You know, they're wolfing down Chinese food at 3.30 in the afternoon, and then we go out for ribs at 6, and they're perfectly fine. It's like a superpower. It's amazing. <laughs> what, how much time do we have, Michael? A superpower you shouldn't use. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it really, it's a superpower to abuse your intestinal system until it cries out for mercy. Ah, you know, we've got some great emails here about... Um, Impeachment and that sort of thing, but we really don't have time for them. Perhaps we'll get to that in a few minutes. We're probably going to find out Friday afternoon whether impeachment is going to be super extra interesting and uh, must-see television or just come to an end very, very quickly and be over and, and, and head toward the history books. It is my belief, and I believe this strongly, that the Democrats, in cahoots with Bolton and his publisher, are employing the Kavanaugh strategy, where they just string it out, string it out. Every time it's near the end, something new pops up. More on that. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jonathan Swan from Axios, who we like, uh, called it a disaster for the relationship between the United States and Great Britain. We'll talk about that coming up in a minute. But first, oh, no, the special relationship. Yeah, well, it might be over. Um, impeachment wrapped up yesterday, and just in terms of the both sides uh, putting forth their case, and the White House case wrapped up. This way, we'll play the uh, the ending for you, then explain what happened here. Such an impeachment will produce the d- divisiveness and bitterness in our politics for years to come, and will call into question the very legitimacy of our political institutions. You will set the dangerous precedent that the certainty of presidential terms, which has so benefited our wonderful America, will be replaced by the partisan use of impeachment. My fear is that when a Republican wins the White House, Democrats will demand payback. You were right. But I'm sorry to say you were also prophetic. So that was clips of some of the major players in impeachment saying what Republicans are saying now, and especially that last clip from Senator Schumer. Yeah. My fear is now the next time you got a president with a, with a House of the Opposite Party, we do impeachment again. Yeah, that, that is the fear. That was the argument that Dershowitz was making. Yes. <laughs> the leader yes. of the Democrats in the Senate was making that argument also. And then Nadler saying, you know, you can't have a uh, non-bipartisan impeachment. And I thought that, that was... would be incredibly dangerous and corrosive. Zoe Lofgren saying, we, just, we need to know how long each president's going to serve in our wonderful America. That's, I thought that, a, that's a good point, too. I thought that was a pretty funny way to end. But anyway, it's as if everybody's a giant phony. 
So the questions today and tomorrow, eight hours each day, 160 questions. That seems like a lot of questions and answers. Wow. Um, well, some of them might be two-minute jobs. But then on Friday, Mr. President, why does your hair look like that? Well, they just comb it over. Real quick. So you get in some extras. On Friday, that's going to be a dramatic day. That's when you get to the uh, the voting on whether or not they're going to be witnesses. And Mitch McConnell said yesterday, if you followed the news, man, everybody ran with this as a breaking news. Mitch McConnell supposedly said behind closed doors, we do not have the votes right now to stop there from being witnesses. Right. He's currently whipping the votes. It's looking more and more likely, Jack. Does he, does whipping the votes actually come from a time when they had a whip and they go around whipping these people? I'm not allowed to say. It's classified. It's spelled the same way. Is it the same word? No, but that's the idea. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Yes, it is. It is the same word. Um, but no, they don't actually <laughs> they lash did, they people didn't back in the day. No, vote the way I tell you. Whack. Although there was the occasional caning, as we know, yeah. barbaric. Right. Um, but anyway, so that'll be pretty dramatic on Friday afternoon. I'm going to try to schedule my but day. But you started to say that the, the nar- news narrative was fully that, oh, it's clearly the pressure is growing. And then the news narrative changed like three hours later. Yeah. It's just I, I, silly. I, I, well, I don't know. It's going to be close. It's going to be dang close. There's only, you only need four. And there's a couple that seem pretty solid. Mitt Romney seems pretty solid. What's Mitt's deal? He I don't want to talk You're talking about the birthday candle thing because <laughs> no. I'd like to talk about that. No, but anyway, I'm no. going to try to clear off. I have not paid much attention to this impeachment. I am. Uh, I find it uh, boring. But um, uh, and we've known what the result was going to be all along. But I, I'm going to clear off. Try to on Friday afternoon to catch that part because I think that could get very exciting. And if it ends up, you know, by one vote, by one Mitt Romney or whatever, they decide. Well, yes, we're going to have. Witnesses, it's going to get very exciting very quickly. Well, yes. Yes, it certainly could. And uh, and Lindsey Graham said yesterday, the idea of uh, one or two witnesses makes no sense. We're going to have witnesses. We're going to have lots of witnesses. Oh, yeah. So, and I saw a list. Oh, oh man. Uh, actually, one of our brilliant listeners sent us a list of potential witnesses, and it would definitely turn this into a circus. Which, you know, I like the circus. I kind of want that. but yeah, I know. I know. Good for entertainment, perhaps bad for the country. In a different story, or would be would it be good in the long term for the country to get sick enough of impeachment and realize this is just partisan? It's nonsense. like making a kid smoke a whole pack of cigarettes. You never want to smoke a cigarette again. I'm not sure that's great parenting, but yes, that's a good metaphor. <laughs> I've heard, I've known people that say that worked for them. I wouldn't, yes. I wouldn't do it, but how about we just have them smoke like three cigarettes? <laughs> A whole pack could kill you. Well, well I maybe, think it, maybe it's uh, I think you smoke till you, you smoke till you throw up. Yes. Which, as you know, if you've ever done that with any sorts of booze or food, it's very difficult to ever take that in again. Yes. Your body rejects it automatically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, probably a good idea. It really sick to my stomach. And I, I threw up yesterday. I've changed my mind. I think that's great parenting. Yeah. Although, you know. If you made yeah. your uh, 15-year-old drink enough tequila to throw up, they'll probably never drink tequila again. Yeah, the problem being the other 17 <laughs> yummy sorts of you got to go through all, all of them. Oh, You're going to have to get your 15-year-old well, really it's, hammered. It's Saturday, Jimmy. Every day, all summer. It's time for vodka. <laughs> oh, jeez. What's thought, vodka, Daddy? I, I thought gin Saturday was bad. Now it's vodka Sunday. Oh, boy. Um, This breaking news yesterday was bad news, and I don't know how this is going to play out. Breaking news, Britain won't ban equipment by Huawei from its 5G network. I don't know Yeesh. what's going on there. I don't either. On the same day. 
And Jonathan Swan tweeted immediately, this is a disaster for the UK-US relationship. Some people formerly in our uh, State Department said, we're going to have to really question our special relationship and whether we share information with you as we have in the past. Right. And And how would you not? Announced on the same day that three prominent... American academics, I mean, two in particular, very prominent. One, the chairman of the chemistry department at Harvard, arrested for being Chinese stooges. So, you know, the argument was, Huawei says, well, we, we don't uh, kowtow to the Chinese government. You know, being a giant corporation that only exists due to the good graces of the Chinese government. You got American academics at our most prestigious universities, although I hate the whole prestigious university thing, just as an aside, um, are, are Chinese stooges. The for one, money. The one guy or woman that was arrested recently was actually uh, a, some sort of officer in the Chinese army. Yeah. In the United States. China, come on! Posing as a Harvard employee to spy on uh, the United States. So, yeah, with that going on, Great Britain's going to allow Huawei to build up their 5G network. Now, uh, Boris Johnson's reasoning was, look, they're not going to do the government stuff. They're just going to do the stuff out in the countryside. It'll only add up to about a third of the network. Well, anybody with the brain knows that if once they're in... Then they're they're in. They're hacking into everything, and they're, they're they're getting into everything. They will find a way. You've said, okay, we're not going to let them all the way into our master bedroom. We're going to let them into the house. Well, they will find a way. Chinese uh, espionage efforts have never been more aggressive. Uh, it's it's because extraordinary it's cheaper. To me. It's because it's cheaper. Yeah, but it's not much cheaper. Jeez, Louise. I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know what's going on here. This is one of those stories that seems like there must be something I'm missing. It seems so crazy. How could Great Britain possibly allow the the communist Chinese government to build their infrastructure for communication? Because that is what's happening. Yeah, I, I would think you would err way to the side of caution on this. Maybe they're saying, look, Trump is just doing this for leverage against China in the trade negotiations. As soon as it's settled, he'll say, turns out Huawei's a great company. You should buy I hope he doesn't say that. Although, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I was, I was gobsmacked, as they say. Congress threatens massive scale back in U.S. U.K. Intel sharing over Huawei fears. New legislation would ban Intel sharing with any country that is doing business with Huawei, which is perfectly reasonable. That is not a crazy thing to, to say. I don't think it is. Uh, I'll be, it'll be, it'll be Bojo something. disagrees. It's something to watch how this plays out. Who, who knows? Yeah, I, I'm as I said, I'm completely flabbergasted by this. I just I don't know what to think. Um, Bojo is a smart guy. He's uh, he's good uh, friend to America, but this is crazy. When are we going to start taking this whole China thing seriously? Tucker was talking last night about how when we we would find uh, Soviet spies in the United States, well, sometimes we uh, hung them or shot them. Or put them in the old Sparky. Or, or, electric or, chair. Or at least locked them up Rosenbergs. Google it. The they were guilty. Sparky? Old Sparky. The electric chair. But what we do now, uh, hey, we caught one of your military generals at uh, pr- pretending to be a professor at Harvard. You shouldn't do that. We're sending them back to your country. Cut it out, you Knock rascal. It off. What are you doing? You're on the next flight, you... Yeah, I know. When well, we take, that person is already back in China. Right. But when they we, escaped before. When we do we take it seriously? Well, we wouldn't. Have, it's not like we would. Have, we're going to execute him anyway. So you're calling for hanging the uh, professor from Harvard? I don't know about that, but uh, taking it seriously—that it's a big deal—that a 
enemy, the enemy, the number one rival for freedom on planet Earth, yeah. is trying to infiltrate everything in the United States. The number one enemy for freedom is Trump. Because he's the new Hitler, All right. and he's he's the only person I can pay attention to. I only can think one thing, and I hate Trump. That's what I think. Which takes us to the uh, the the Don Lamont. Uh, guests and all that sort of stuff. We haven't aired that audio yet. You want to kick off next hour with that? Get into sure. that whole conversation? Yes, I do. By golly, the I do. and whatnot? Yes! <laughs> and do I understand Mr. Lemon has apologized? I hadn't heard that. Well, kind of, sort of, yeah. Explained, yeah. if not apologized. Okay, I, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, all right, fine. Was he contrite? I need to- total contrition. <laughs> what a... <laughs> what an objectionable human he is. So, we'll get into that next hour, among other things. Um... Shaquille O'Neal says he's going to make a life change after Kobe's death, which is probably a good idea for all of us. Don't fly in helicopters? That might be part of the life change, but that's not the real life change. Huh. Among other things we could talk about on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So Shaquille O'Neal, one of the biggest stars in the history of the world of sports, uh, played on a basketball team with Kobe Bryant, if you don't know that. And uh, he was speaking last night about Kobe Bryant's death and how he's going to change his life going forward. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty decent uh, piece of advice for anybody, whether you know who these people are or not. The fact that uh, we're not going to be able to joke at his Hall of Fame ceremony. We're not going to be able to say, Hi, I got five, you got four. The fact that we're not going to be able to say, if we would stay together, we could have got ten. Those are the things that you can't get back. And with the loss of my father, my sister, and my thing, that's the only man I wish I could just say something to him again. Last time I talked to him was when... We were here, and I asked him to get 50, and he got 60. It's a lot of time I spoke to him, and I just wish I could have, you know, it, it definitely changes me. I have to take time and just call and say, I love you. I'm going to try to do a better job of just reaching out and just talking to the people rather than always procrastinating, because you never know. That's wow. a good Oof. lesson for everybody. Yeah, it's heavy, but so true. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal has vowed to bury the hatchet with enemies in the wake of Kobe Bryant's death. Um and the idea of uh, you're just going to stay mad at people. And, it, you know, someday down the road we'll work this out. Well, right. Someday down the road uh, can disappear. Because I want it to end good. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt I want this animosity to go away, but not yet. <laughs> and uh, you don't don't always have as much time as you think, so that's, that's not a bad lesson right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's heavy. That's heavy. It really made everybody, everybody. But it's positive. Everybody right now is thinking about uh, somebody or so, or several somebodies. Family member or somebody. Sure, old friend, whatever. Uh, Michael, everybody's in a very contemplative mood. We need a little uh, transition music. Rube Trump voters. We'll talk about that and CNN's view of you coming up to kick well, off next hour. Well, you're just pasty and dumb. Half the country. 
is obviously so stupid you can't tie your shoes, according to CNN. And when oh. when is the Trump-hating media going to catch on that they're going to get Trump elected? When are they going to catch on to that? I hear one more hour of Don Lemon's show, I might vote twice and risk <laughs> arrest just to spite him. Yeah, stay with us. Although, you know, if uh, previously the only reason to uh, vote for Trump was racism, according to the media elite. Now it's racism or stupidity. So there you go. They're more open-minded. Unbelievable. Oh, it, at the, uh, well, I don't know. I was going to say the other end of the spectrum, but it's kind of similar. I, I can't even remember why. I got some solicitation for um, uh, reading academic papers. And... One of the papers sounded kind of interesting, so I clicked on it. That sounds I, like fishing. And I gave him one of my... <laughs> you clicked on that? Well, no, it was a legit organization. And I, uh, I I read the paper part of it, and it was it was quite interesting, but I think I had to use that email address, and so now I get peppered with these papers all the time. And usually I just delete them, but I this one caught my attention because it was so convoluted. Recalling Persky, white rage and intimate publicity after Brock Turner. And I thought, wait a minute, I remember some of those names. What was that? It, and they actually kind of explain it. Listen to the, number one, all this made-up hyper-academic verbiage and the twisted logic of it. I'll need to explain it to you when I'm done, and I know that in advance, so hang with me. By attending to the successful campaign to recall and unseat Judge Aaron Persky in retaliation for his sentencing decision in the sexual assault trial of Stanford University athlete Brock Turner. That's you remember that one? Drunk girl behind the dumpster. Right, exactly. We argue that the campaign constituted a white, intimate public that directed white rage toward the judge for his perceived betrayals of a white paternal social contract. Wait a second, wait a second. Wasn't the result of that uh, people were very angry that this um, um, privileged, do you assume, Stanford dude right. felt like he could rape a passed out girl behind a dumpster and, and the and judge yeah. let him get away with it more well, or less. Very light yeah. uh, punishment. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And people were outraged about that. So why? Who, who's, who's mad about that? Jack, that actually constituted a white intimate public that directed white rage toward the judge for his perceived betrayals of a white paternal social contract because the campaign posited Judge Persky's willingness to inflict carceral violence upon Turner as the measure of his fidelity to the state's obligations with regard to sexual violence and equality under the law, it legitimized carceral solutions that disproportionately harm communities of color. Boy, I'm not following this. Would you listen? (laughs) I'm not following this. Such a centering of carceral solutions betrayed the public's effective divestment from the needs of marginalized communities. You having a good time, Joe? Is that I read this, and I read, you know how you read most stuff thinking, well, I'll automatically understand this, so I'm just going to read it. And then I had to go back to like that second level of, okay, I better focus now. I got to, I got to, I got to read this. And then I read it again. I thought, wow, I still, carceral, salute. wait a minute. I need to really, really focus on this. And I finally figured out what they're saying. And this is the insanity of the super hot critical race theory. 
which posits that anything, and I mean anything, that could be plausibly suggested impacts more people of color or people of color more than white people is by definition racist. No matter what those people or the white people or anything, it doesn't matter what you do. If it affects people of color more, it is by definition racist. Okay, I get that. How how is letting this white privileged man off easy racist? By white people with their white rage saying this guy shouldn't get off. He should be punished and put in prison a carceral violence Carceral as in incarceration. By advocating that, they were advocating carceral violence in general, which disproportionately affects people of color, and therefore wanting the privileged white boy to do time for raping the unconscious girl was racist by the white people who called for it. Well, smear my ears with peanut butter and call me Aunt Janet. I'm not sure what to make of the world at this You having this a good point. time, Joe? Holy crap, are you kidding me? Yeah, well... You people are better gymnasts than Simone Biles. That is astonishing. There's a lot of YouTube videos out there explaining this sort of stuff. I, I'm not surprised now that you've explained it, but yeah, it's right. crazy. Yeah. It's, it's definitely crazy. And 19-year-old college sophomore saying yes, Professor Oh.